Bring us in, Mickey. All right, welcome. This is a guest in the house. I'm one of your co-hosts, Mickey Hess. I'm David Shanks. Peace and love. And black power, as always. (laughs) I I usually say peace and black power, but I say peace, love, and and black power. (laughs) Peace, love, and black power. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, man, how you feeling, brother? Feeling good. I'm feeling good to hear uh, Black Power as the third in the sequence behind Peace and Love because a lot of times you hear people present Black Power as the opposite Mm. of Peace and Love. Mm. Mm. Or I should say you hear a lot of white people present it as the opposite of Peace and Love. Yeah, that that seems to be a schism that that we're dealing with right now. Um, And man, you know, yeah, the fight to love ourselves mm. and to be and to be self-determined as a people um, is I've never seen, not in my lifetime for certain, um, anything like what is occurring right now. Mm. We keep we've been talking about it. We keep having to talk about it. You know, I wish our show wasn't so relevant, you know. But when I when we keep we keep having these episodes, and then a week or two later, did I, this week so many things have happened this week, and you know I was like, man, I wish we had a real like um, promotions team because I've got at least seven or eight snippets from our podcast that directly, you know, are in like the front page news of this week. Um, this episode, um, you know, we don't know when this stuff airs, but the episode that we have on deck to air next, that'll be before this one, obviously, um, we're talking about the NBA and the players kneeling. And this week we had, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks boycott a, um, playoff game because of, um, the latest, um, police shooting and the WNBA and the WNBA. Well, the, 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 the when I believe the dominoes were the Milwaukee bucks, mm. um, decided to boycott the, the NBA. Um, and the WNBA may have decided it at the same time. It may have been, an, I mean, they're all in the bubble. So they may, the players themselves may have came up with that. Um, based on that, the NBA suspended the games, um, and then the MLB did the same, I believe, everyone except for the NHL. Yeah, the Reds and the Brewers canceled that night, and yeah. then a couple other teams followed suit. Yeah. Um, tennis as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I, oh, man, I, I was creating the summary, actually, for the um, the next episode, so I had to listen to it early. I listened to it um, earlier in the week. 
And, you know, we're getting into this conversation and, and I said something to the effect of like, I'm, I'm not comfortable with them playing. I don't think they should be playing. You know what I mean? I, I think that it's time for the distractions. We don't need any more distractions. You know, and I, you know, I, I've, I've seen different sides of that argument. Um, you know, Stephen A. Smith and those guys talking about, uh, the, you know, the job of the athlete is to heal the nation in these times. Um, their platform is is bigger if they're playing. Um, they're able to make more of a statement if they're playing. And I just I couldn't disagree more. No, I, I, I'm on your side with this. I mean, you go back to the 60s and some of the statements people saw from black athletes then. I mean, Muhammad Ali is probably the prime example, right? Mm -hmm. um, stood up for his rights to not fight in the Vietnam War so much that he said, well, you can send me to prison, mm -hmm. but I'm not going to war. Um, and that was connected very specifically by him to his Muslim faith and his identity as a black man in America. Right. You know, there's always the famous quote from him that says, why should I go drop bombs on yellow people in Vietnam when brown people right here in my hometown of Louisville, Kentucky are treated like dogs? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make much sense. And, um, you know, and... We we're we're the only people on this land who have had to juggle that feeling with defending your country mm -hmm. because it's still our country with a question mark. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that question mark, and you know I think. <laughs> All signs point to this being some type of day of reckoning. Um, we're going to have to figure this out. And how we respond um, in this moment is going to um, shape the United States of America for the, um, for the future. Mm -hmm. This moment right now, if you're talking about the pandemic, if you're talking about the election, if you're talking about the Black Lives Matter, if you're talking about... Um, corporate America and, and it, all of it, all of it happening in one year. And then we can't go any further without acknowledging, you know, uh, the news we got last night that uh, Chadwick Bozeman succumb to um, stage four colon cancer. So, so we can't even have the black Panther. Like we didn't lose Kobe in, <laughs> at the beginning of the year. Like what is going on? What is happening? As much as the time period, as much as 2020 feels like just chaos and doom for people worldwide and Americans across the board, it's just compounded. It's it's an exponential effect for Black Americans, as it tends to be. I mean, an economic crisis tends to hit Black Americans much harder than white Americans. 
right. certainly hits uh, Latino Americans, Latinx Americans very hard as well. Yeah. Um, you know, across the board, when things are going rough for the country and for the world, Black Americans take a hit, yeah. a harder hit. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned some features that might sound coincidental, like, well, you know, you know, the pandemic didn't crash Kobe's helicopter. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all just a coincidence, right? You know, it just all, all this bad stuff happened to happen all at once. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then you see another side that's just so deliberate and persistent. Yes. I mean, a, to have a police officer in the wake of George Floyd's killing, um, still attacking, killing, shooting black Americans um, with no, no repercussions. Very little. At, at least no immediate repercussions. We know that, yeah. right? It, yeah, it, it and takes, historically, it takes, it, it's hard to be very optimistic that there'll be ultimate repercussions. Exactly. Exactly. And now that side, there's just such a, a deliberate long-standing scheme yeah and it's not paranoid to to believe that yeah you know the facts support that yeah yeah and i and, and so when i was pushing for the players to not go into the bubble at in the first place the nba players specifically mm -hmm. it was through from a recognition that as long as we maintain normal, mm -hmm. this will maintain as normal, if that makes any sense. Like, if we play sports, if we, you know... Um, watch sports if we if we engage in fantasy football if we we get you know if we, we we place our bets and we go about america as normal that's what they say we gotta keep keep pushing and we keep being normal mm. this doesn't stop what's the incentive to yeah. stop it if business is is you is usual yeah. at what point in time do we say no Stop. Fix this. Uh -huh. Or else. We get on podiums. We march. We had the um, uh, anniversary of the uh, March on Washington Yes, just yesterday. Uh -huh. um, I've got my thoughts on that, too. But, um, you know, we're shouting. We demand justice. Um, Black Lives Matter. Uh, it stops now. It ends now. We're not taking it anymore. We demand justice. And then we go out and perform and, you know, sing, and dance, and rap, and, 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 and shoot basketballs and run up, run up and down football fields. And we still... Are the we and we when we drive the buses and we drive the trains and you know what I mean and we work in the hospitals oh. and we are still 
the linchpin, the driving force of this nation. And we get nothing for it. In fact, well, we get plenty for it. Just nothing we deserve or need. And it's got to stop. It's got to stop or, it, or, or, you know, it, I, I, I fear for what could happen if this continues. And that's the disconnect, right? I mean, if, if say, a Martian stepped onto American soil, um, looked at our music charts, um, looked at our sports stadiums, you know, walked into an NBA game, walked onto an NFL field, even, you know, looking at our fashion, our slang, that, that Martian would think America loved black I would think it's the greatest place for a black man on the planet. You'd think the, the black men in particular are heralded and held up and admired. Mm-hmm. But when you turn off the TV, when you leave the sports stadium, you turn off the radio and look at the news, that's not the case at all. And that's a very powerful disconnect. And that's why even setting out one NBA game does make a statement. Now, what do you think? I mean, there's the um, there's a new agreement, I guess, between the NBA Players Union and the owners that says NBA players will return to playing and the owners will allow all the NBA stadiums to be used as polling places where people can vote and that they'll produce and run some ads highlighting social justice issues during the games. And I think that there are a couple more points to this agreement. Do you think this is a smart agreement or do you think there should be more of a stop? Smart agreement for who? (laughs) For who? Is that what you said? It sounds great for the owners. Oh, there you go. Yeah. There you go. We talked about <laughs> we've we've yeah. discussed the corporate response. We had an episode on the corporate response to what's happening now. And mm-hmm. we did the analogy. That's the other thing I thought about this week, the analogy of the bicycle. If someone mm-hmm. stole your bike, what is the appropriate, you know, retribution or atonement for the crime. And so go back and play and continue to generate billions of dollars for us. And we'll allow the stadiums to be polling places so that people can vote and hopefully get Joe Biden and Kamala Harris in the office. This is not a political podcast. Well, this is an everything podcast, but I don't want to, I don't want to go. I don't want to go on a complete rant today. Um, but, I mean, I don't even know if I'm voting, to be honest with you, Mickey. I don't even know. I'm I'm this I'm 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 there at I'm at that point. I get it. I know I have my ballot. You know what I mean? Where I'm I'm gonna send out for my ballot. It just came in the mail yesterday, the form. Um and I'm I'll be prepared. But I I don't know because I just for to do what? It'll be it would be a little better. A little better for who? Maybe the mm-hmm. neck, you know what I mean? <laughs> Malcolm X talked about the knife being in your back nine inches. And if they pull it out, 
um, three, right? Is it it's still in your back six inches? That's not progress. So if the, well, he says they won't even admit they, the knife, they is won't there. even admit the knife is there. So if they, it takes it that step. So further. if they pull the knife out, if, if November comes and we get the first black, um, and female <laughs> vice president in the history of our country and South Asian and South Asian. Correct. You know, is that a knife coming out of our back three inches? No, <laughs> I think that's. They were they were they were killing us they were killing us under Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. This didn't just this didn't just start. Well, a lot of the uh, hate crimes spiked spiked under even just the the possibility even during the campaign when Obama got the nomination, there was a huge spike in hate crimes, and it continued throughout a lot of his uh, both of his terms. And so much of, of what we see in the political landscape today is promoted as a backlash against Obama, <laughs> you know, an idea to undo the damage he caused, right? <laughs> Giving people health care. Well, let's reverse that. Um, you know, there's a press conference anytime some policy that Obama was able to scrape by with in some form and get passed. There's a big press conference. Anytime there's a way to chip away at it or reverse it, it's a celebration. My, my poor girl was crying earlier this week. I hope she doesn't get mad at me for sharing this. Um, because she had an incident um, on a Zoom call at work um, with a coworker um, regarding the statement that... Um, you know, a lot of what created Trump is a backlash to the Obama years. And this coworker started shaking her head in um, disagreement profusely. And, you know, I, and, and um, I believe the, uh, the call ended up being interrupted because they had to go into another meeting or something like that. But, you know, you know, my girl obviously was triggered because here she is speaking something that is, uh, I, I, I can't see how it could be disputed. I really, I really don't. But we still see this reluctance to, to hear us, to hear what we're saying, oh. and to be able to um, shift what you believe or what you think. And even if you don't change your mind, mm-hmm. at least be able to hear another perspective and the perspective of the person who has suffered through the trauma. Uh And, you know, again, another episode topic we talked about, um, the normalcy of white supremacists, even if it's adjacent, white supremacist thought Uh it's not from the guy who hates black people and has a confederate flag on his trunk and you know what i mean it's not that guy it's the guy at your job who is a good guy he may even have an african-american spouse or something like that but it's when his view gets challenged 
whatever that view may be, it's when his way of thinking or her way of thinking is challenged that they go into this thing where they come out and you're like, oh, <laughs> oh, you're dismissive. You're yep. unempathetic. And it's because you cannot see outside of your lens. You refuse to accept anything. Other than what you believe. And that behavior, that trait has to be shunned in all communities, but in our white community, our mainstream community, that that ability, the ability to do that, to move through your world and not have to consider anybody else, mm-hmm. that's gotta die. And 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 you know, our allies have to speak up and we have to make that not cool because black people can shout it all we want clearly clearly we've been shouting since we got here so it's not up to us we gotta fix ourselves we can't fix america so i'm not playing no basketball Mm. So on this Zoom call, yes, sir. To touch on the smaller aspect of what you're getting into here, was it just the two of no, them, or were there no, more? No, it was like a little okay. cohort of coworkers who, um, you know, meet and, and have meetings, but they also have discourse because you know, four four ladies and they, you know, they have discourse and if yeah. they feel free to have that discourse, um, you know, my lady happens to be the only one of African American descent on the call Mm -hmm. and so um just that pressure and and, you know she eventually had to like go behind the scenes and because she felt like wow i wonder if this is in this moment this is what she's thinking i wonder if they saw how uncomfortable i was and if that made them uncomfortable because i don't want anyone Mm -hmm. to feel uncomfortable because i'm triggered So she's still carrying that responsibility. Even in Mm -hmm. that moment, she's carrying the burden of not wanting to be angry. And there's the old white fragility or white women's tears that you, you see people write about. It's, you don't want to make white people uncomfortable and even other white people, you don't really want to bring up race because it's not pleasant to talk about and people are going to be uncomfortable but to think like that is only looking out for the comfort of one person, right? Yep. And on that topic, if it is issues of race, um, to look out for the white person's comfort is just to extend this uh, embedded white supremacy that has been built into the country, right? Yep. As opposed to challenge it. And, and yeah, I will say one thing I really learned over the years of studying and writing about topics such as these is I think when I first started working at universities, if I witnessed a moment like that in a meeting, what I probably would have done and what I know I did at least once is I would have caught my colleague who I saw uncomfortable after the meeting and said, wow, that really sucked. You know, I saw, I saw what you brought up. I agree with you. I saw that the other folks weren't receptive to it. 
Um, I saw that you were uncomfortable. Just wanted to let you know. But over time, um, I've learned through reading and talking to people and just sort of growing as a human being and uh, as a scholar, mm-hmm. um, what you got to do is say something in the in, meeting. In the meeting. Yeah. I mean, it, it may be a nice gesture to go to your friend, your coworker later and say, hey, man, I saw how they treated you. That sucks. I'm sorry. But that kind of takes away some responsibility for yourself, right? You make yourself the good guy in the room. Everybody else is just kind of ignoring your point here, ignoring that you're uncomfortable. So I'm going to wait till everybody else is gone and say, Hey man, I got you. You know, (laughs) I'm looking out for you. Not like the rest of them. I'm the good white guy. But now I know what you got to do. And it's not easy is you got to make some space in that meeting. You know, say you're, you become a senior colleague, you've been there for a few years, you got a little more clout, you feel like you can speak up a little bit more freely. You're in the perfect position to say, hey, now, wait a second, you know, I want to go back to what Rachel said. You know, I'd like to, I'd like to hear a little more about mm-hmm. this. And, you know, I'd like to really talk this through. Um, and I want to make sure that you guys hear what she's saying, because we seem like we brushed right past it. And just that move, I mean, it's not going to solve these problems. It's not going to change the world in that one meeting, but it can change the culture of, say, one English department mm-hmm. or one office. Uh, maybe not just that that one moment changes it entirely, but it moves we, it we talked about, in a better direction. We, we talked about, um, and we talked about that, and what you're talking about, mm-hmm. I if it's not this moment, then when, if this is not mm-hmm. the moment when, um, a, a, a person of European descent in the company of another person of European descent is engaging in conversation that is uncomfortable from a um you know a, a unity standpoint uncomfortable from a, a you know anything that would seem off-putting to them how many times has a racist joke been told around amongst white folks and no one checked the person who made the joke they don't like it they're not comfortable but they don't check that person in our community Generally, if, like I said, the black guys in the black community who talk that, what you would say, black supremacist stuff, they're on the far corner fringes of mainstream African-American thought and culture. Those are these are not people who, you know, these people make jokes we make jokes about those people. I won't say we, cause I've been called one too. Um, and <laughs> so, you know, th- there's a thing, there's a, there's a phrase called a black identity extremist mm-hmm. and a black identity extremist. As I've read, I'm easily categorized as one of those, mm-hmm. except that I do a podcast with my buddy, Mickey Hess. So then it becomes weird. <laughs> How can a black identity extremist have, you know, because, because a white identity extremist wouldn't be doing a podcast 
with their rapper homeboy from Brooklyn, who's a black guy, right? We, we, we tend to see that person as, but anybody can be a black identity extremist because at the top of what we said, peace, love, and black power. And we said, sometimes black power is associated with something to white people. I don't know. I don't know what, what, what the cause of black power will do to white people in white people's mind. I'm not sure, but clearly they're threatened when we love ourselves, it seems. Do you think, could you hash out the definitions for our listeners between black power and black supremacy? Because I think in a lot of white people's minds, the phrase black power gets translated to black supremacist thinking. Well, yeah, and taking the taking the well, we can deal with the words power, and we can deal with the yeah. words supremacy. Obviously, supreme supremacy. I reign supreme, so that means I am better than you by virtue of what I think in my mind. I'm better than you. So, what black supremacists thought. And even black supremacist thought is still just a reaction to white supremacy. It's not like black supremacy, you know, precurses white supremacy. Race was invented when all of this started to happen. So the const racism created correct. race. <laughs> For its purposes, <laughs> mm-hmm. racism created race, so it could be racist. You know what I mean? Like, um, mm-hmm. so supremacy is black supremacy. Supremacist thought is kind of the backlash that that says, "Hey, wait, 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 wait. We're the ones with the melanin. We're the original people on the planet. We're actually supreme." Black power is why is the pandemic disproportionately affecting neighborhoods and people of color? So we talk about health care, access to healthy food, education. Housing, violence, jobs, everything that makes a community, a society, a nation, what it is, we have a lack thereof. That's got to stop. That's got to change. That mindset has to change. And so what you have, even with the, you know, even with the, um, so power means equity. (laughs) So black power, it almost sounds like is black pride put into action. Black pride in action, black love in action, because love is action. When you love yourself you 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 treat yourself a certain kind of way and you move a certain kind of way and it's unfortunate that that term white power 
tends to get associated in people's minds so much with black power to where they see it as an extremist view, right? If there's a guy in a street corner shouting white power, you know what kind of guy you're dealing with, yeah. right? You know, he's, he's a white supremacist. Yeah. And, and you're looking around like, where is there this absence that's, of white that's, power? That's the, that's, <laughs> but, but that's all lives matter, Mickey. Mm, all that. <laughs> that's, that's, that's all lives matter. That's, 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 well, wait. We want white power. Okay, go outside. What about me? Yeah. <laughs> um, now, because you're living a, 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 a meager existence has nothing to do with there being no white power. So, sure. you know, that's when, that's when, you know, that's when the bootstrap conversation comes. Hey man, pull yourself up the bootstrap. You're a, you're a clean suit and a haircut away from being, having a job, buddy. Mm-hmm. Clean yourself up. And now that's why the notion of white power looks very different to poor white Americans than rich white Americans. They may, at their core, believe the exact same thing. Um, And certainly the corporate white Americans have the power to really enact policies to, to limit the access of black Americans, to keep black Americans out of jobs. Um, keep them from getting raises, keep them from getting promotions, um, keep them from getting their foot mm-hmm. in the door. Um, so that guy may be more dangerous, but you can't rile him up in quite the same way because he, he's he got the power. You know, behind the scenes, he can make whatever he wants happen and never utter a racist phrase on the record. He's not the guy yelling on the street corner, yelling white power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's always been a very dangerous part of this scheme across American history is to take poor white people, as we've talked about on this podcast several times before, you know, you take poor white people and you convince them, hey, man, don't resent the rich white people because you're on your way to becoming (laughs) one of them. They can't wait till you pull yourself up and join (laughs) their ranks. If it weren't for the black Americans and the Mexican immigrants standing in your way while you may be a CEO already, buddy. Mm-hmm. That's who you got to be worried about. You know, look, look around your neighborhood, look where you live, who's holding you back. Why it's the, it's the people who don't look like you, obviously mm-hmm. you could see yourself looking like this white CEO. So, Hey, make it happen. You know, we'll see you in a couple of years. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's a really dangerous way of thinking that just won't die. Absolutely. And piggybacking on on that and the juxtaposition with black power. Um, Mm. Black power was coined by the late Kwame Ture, formerly known as Stokely Carmichael, when he was the uh, head of SNCC, Student Nonviolent. Uh, don't get me wrong, SNCC. <laughs> Coordinating, Coordinating committee, committee right? correct, correct. Now, Bill Clinton is, said I'm recently re- that I'm, he wasn't doing listen, it right. So, so, so we're so you're you're right there with me. Um, speaking at um John Lewis's, the um congressman, the great congressman and civil rights leader, John Lewis's um recent mm-hmm. funeral memorial service. Uh, Bill Clinton says about Stokely Carmichael. There were two or three years there where the movement went a little bit too far towards Stokely. But in the end, Mm -hmm. John Lewis prevailed. 
unpack you unpack that for me as we ju- in 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 relation to what we're talking about in yeah. terms of black power black supremacy what yeah. makes the white establishment uncomfortable about black power why was the right thing for the movement to do <laughs> to go back towards john lewis who ended up just being a multi-term congressman in his district mm-hmm. god bless him but we didn't achieve any equity under those, you know, under that, under that leadership. So, and what makes Bill Clinton the person who gets to tell us who was best for our movement? Well, first of all, it's not out of character for Bill Clinton. Yeah, I know. <laughs> our first like, black, uh, our first black, our quote-unquote first black president. Oh, we got to unpack yeah, that one. That's another too. episode. You know that that was Toni Morrison, right? Who first called him that? You did read me that Toni Morrison quote. I didn't. I didn't know she was the first yeah. to call him that, though. I didn't know. I thought. I thought. I thought that was reinforced when he when he when he played the saxophone on um Arsenio Hall show. That didn't hurt, right? <laughs> he got our Arsenio's uh, stamp. Oh, man. So we'll, we'll come back around to that maybe in another oh, episode. Yeah. But but you ask if I could unpack. I think you were yes. asking me personally. Could I unpack? What what's that, that make you? What do you think about that? Like how does that? What does that? You know what comes to you? Because again, it's easy mm-hmm. for me to be angry. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's easy for, oh, okay. Hey man, I tuned into you guys podcast, um, the other day. Oh man, <laughs> Dave there, man, he's pretty riled up. Yeah. I mean, that's easy. <laughs> but, but when you hear that, when you hear, when you hear our former president, Bill Clinton say about the late Stokely Carmichael at the late John Lewis's memorial service, there were two or three years there where the mo where the movement went a little bit too far towards Stokely. But in the end, John Lewis prevailed. Prevailed. So number one, we said that Stokely Carmichael, which was his name mm-hmm. at the time, um, was head of the Student Nonviolent, nonviolent Coordinating Committee, yeah. Committee. Now we got that word nonviolent, nonviolent. Yes. which we're told is, is the right way to do it, right? Even the looters out there today, or not looters, I shouldn't even use that term, and not rioters either. We're talking about protesters. We're told not, that the protesters the out there today, yes. yeah, we're told they're not doing it right. the right way because there's some we violence. We were told right? Colin wasn't doing it the right way, and he took a knee. So there is no there right is way. There is no right way. There's no right way to do it. But typically when, when white Americans talk about protesting the right way, they're talking about nonviolent mm-hmm. protests. Now, is their heart really behind that? No, because your example of Kaepernick right there would show that it really doesn't matter. You can't get much more nonviolent mm-hmm. than kneeling. Now, what people should know about Stokely Carmichael is he did reverse mm-hmm. course later on, right? Um, he started out the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. Um, and soon enough, and I'm not sure exactly when the shift occurred, he, he said that nonviolence became irrelevant. Mm-hmm. 
And this is what Martin Luther King said, even though he was critical of this black power slogan. He says, if Stokely Carmichael now says that nonviolence is irrelevant, it is because he, as a dedicated veteran of many battles, has seen with his own eyes the most brutal white violence against Negroes and white civil Correct. rights workers, and he has seen it go Correct. unpunished. I will, and um, listen, we're not your history yeah. teachers. We're giving you topics <laughs> that you can go and look up and get the. We're not. So we're gonna mess up details. We're having a conversation sure. amongst friends that you guys are privy to. That's the beauty of this podcast. So yes. I forgot the I, I forgot the extra C in student nonviolent coordinating committee. It, but right? what I can tell you, and you will search, you will research on your own, and you will uh you know validate what I'm saying or be able to refute what I'm saying. But black power, when it came out of Stokely's mouth, was in, I believe his, when he got sprang from jail, I believe it was a rally. They were in Mississippi getting their heads beat in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's when John Lewis got, that was during that time. This is 19, you know what I mean? 63, 64, like this is this time period. And so mm-hmm. what Dr. King is saying is, yes, this black power is what happened when it was like, wait a minute, we gotta get some power. We walking around here marching for the right to vote and they're unleashing dogs and the most vicious attacks on citizens. Yeah, we need black power. And and that is, and, and that's, and what did I just say? That's extreme. Bill Clinton said that was, it went too far. It went too far. The reaction to what's being done to you went too far. We yeah. we we went to war because we didn't want to get taxed anymore. <laughs> we became a free nation because we didn't want to get taxed anymore. We. <laughs> we you got the Christmas addicts in there, right? Well, we've been dying from the beginning, right? No? Okay. Yep. That's right. And for you the look country. At, at we've the been dying for the country. Soldiers, right? From the beginning, and mm-hmm. we've been dying because of the country from the beginning. And look at, at the histories of, of black soldiers returning from the Civil War fighting for the Union side to World War One, World War Two, where they weren't really extended the uh, the yep. GI Bill that, cre- that created white, white wealth in many ways, absolutely, or contributed absolutely. to the creation I mean, of white wealth. So when we talk. College tuition and home, and home ownership. ownership. The two things that Americans are told will put you on the path yep. to wealth. But it was not extended to the black soldiers in nearly the nope. same way. Um, there's some good writing on that out there, too. Everybody who wants to go out and be your own history teacher. Um, definitely, you know, Clinton, he said some things himself in the past, but he's also engaging in this long tradition of white leaders pitting black leaders against each other. I mean, and he was choosing, doing with Lewis and, and choosing. Stokely. Choosing, right? So with Lewis and Stokely Carmichael, Clinton pits them against each other and says, well, it went too far toward Stokely. You know, it finally came back around to Lewis. It's the same thing that everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people did with Martin Luther King Very and true. Malcolm X. 
Um, even before that, you know, Du Bois and Garvey, although they threw a lot of insults at each other, um, and the white imagination, you know, they were opponents, right? There, there's one way mm-hmm. versus the other way, and and what does it do? Again, it's mm-hmm. divisiveness. It's the same thing we've been talking about so many times. It's mm-hmm. a strategy. We talk about and it a lot we, on this podcast. We, you divide we feed, people. We feed into it now. You know, when you go deeper yeah. into that space, even um, Du Bois and um, Booker T. Washington. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but then if you go into the the the, the, uh, the creation of the NAACP and we have this mm-hmm. this 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 tradition because you're not we you're not going to get gets in the house podcast banned so you're not going to get me to say nothing crazy <laughs> but <laughs> if you we have this tradition that you're speaking to of white leadership appointing anointing black leadership and then that black leadership being in opposition to other black leadership based on, you know, tenets or based on tactics, you know, and it's always one's kind of plugged into the machine and the other one's operating kind of grassroots. Yeah. And (laughs) I would caution my people. I would caution all people. Be at least skeptical enough to do your homework on the guy being presented by the establishment. And that goes to the establishment candidate and the establishment executive. And the guy that's te- that, that, that you're being told is the guy you should follow is the guy you need to do your homework on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and a lot of times it's an illusion too, because you know, no matter what people would tell you looking back today, Martin Luther King was not warmly he embraced. He was the mo- by the one of the most hated men in the country when he died. Yeah. And you remember yeah. how he died. So it's not the white Americans said, Well, you know, we can really get behind Dr. King, but you know what? You guys stay away from Malcolm X. Um it's it's just that when presented with nonviolence and presented with self-defense, essentially not, on not Malcolm's essentially. side, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll say in a nutshell. You know what I mean? Like just, just whatever the most extreme of that word is, yes. Like it's the most basic mm. self-survival, self-defense. Yes. We don't, we're not attacking anyone. We haven't attacked anyone. Has there been instances in the history of black people in this country of us attacking? Sure. Should there have been more? Probably. <laughs> That's just me, though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that was one of the greatest fears of the founders, right? And the early settlers is there was going to be a mass uprising of slaves, especially after what they saw mm-hmm. in Haiti, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. But in the U.S., there's been such a powerful effort to make sure that doesn't happen, while at the same time caricaturizing Black Americans as inherently dangerous and violent and criminal and overly sexualized and just ready to slit your throat. And that has been the design going all the way back yeah. in this country. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so, you know, um, where do we go from here, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I can offer a definition. <laughs> you know, I don't think I can oh, answer no, that that's question. Not, that but was I, not, I just wanted that was to not know. a question for you to answer. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to know, you know, you said Black Power was coined by Stokely Carmichael. To the extent that I have figured it out and traced it back during our conversation here, I am pretty confident that Black Identity Extremist was coined, or Black Identity Extremist FBI. was coined by the FBI. That is, is correct. That correct? <laughs> that that tells you a lot. And this was this was when 2017, 2017. in reaction to I believe the, the um the um you know there was those two shootings post I believe um Alton Sterling um in New Orleans. That guy that did that shooting I believe was it Baton Rouge? That guy was so, linked yeah. to, <laughs> they found the picture of that guy on Facebook with Professor Griff. <laughs> he must have, mm-hmm. he must have yeah, went it, to a, always <laughs> Griff. <laughs> he must have went to a, um, Professor Anthony, listen, producer Anthony, I'm telling you right now, I don't know if there's a podcast award or something like that, but in minute 48, we brought this back to hip hop, <laughs> right? <laughs> we're good at what we do people i tell you so professor griff (laughs) was in this photo and it became this thing about these guys who they 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 go in little um bookstores and they wear african beads and 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 they have onks and and you know they burn incense and you know they're black identity extremists like there's a whole and it became that and so you know this episode goes out and I'm under surveillance now, you know? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> the FBI heard their name. They just turned on the know. recorders. I don't know. But they don't, you know, I mean, this, this, these are keyword searches now. We, we're in a different game here. Oh, yeah. They know my YouTube <laughs> watching history. We're in a different well, game sure. here. The, this data is being mined and indexed and you know what I mean? it, 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 and cataloged just in case that's why i'm not too worried about that's why i'm not too worried about a vaccine being used to track me because they already <laughs> they have, have everything, everything. They, they don't need to give me a vaccine <laughs> and insert a little chip into my bloodstream they know it all they know where i am all the time yeah. what i'm looking at uh, a few years back um when i was still in philly uh you remember Gennardi's the um, supermarket. I went into Gennardi's once and I swiped my like savings card and it said, happy birthday, David. And I said, the world's, oh. this is 1984. <laughs> Big brother. Yeah. Like, why do you know my birthday savings computer person and swipe and on grocery line? Like, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, oh, know, they know everything. They know everything. Um, uh, I was going to, say that they uh you know the other shooting that took place of the protesters um and i just i don't know i'm all you know i'm all i'm all incidented out man i can't i can't i don't watch i i just i have to abstain man because i i see what it's doing i see what the you know someone was saying um i was talking to 
Rachel last night about um, post-traumatic stress disorder. You know, that's a, um, a common thing that we say in the uh, community is that, you know, we suffer from PTSD and, you know, uh, kind of equating it to war and what the uh, veterans go through when they come back. But there's no post. <laughs> we're in, we're in, we're it's in, we're in TSD. Mm. We're yeah. in TSD. Um, I, people, please, man, take time to step away from the news. Take time to step away from your phones. Um, if you have a meditation practice or something like that, uh, please indulge in that. If not, just if you can get five minutes of some quiet. Take five minutes of quiet. Um, surround yourself with with people with good vibes, people who love you and that you love. Um, just just try not to. This thing is heavy, and there, there's a lot. A lot of people are being affected, man. Affected, man. Um, a lot of people, and if you're not being affected, then you might be the problem. Mm. And I would have for, for white folks out there, you know, with your black friends, don't just use them to prove that you're not racist to people. Don't just say, hey, I can point to black friends of mine. Um, you got to you gotta check in on your black friends. You got to make sure they're doing okay. They may not want to yeah. talk about it. They may not want to talk about yeah. it with you, you know, and, and you got to step back and understand that. But, you know, when, when things are going the way they are in the world, certainly give them a welfare check at least check in and say hey man you know don't say don't don't say welfare sucks. check in relation to black people oh, man yeah. come on man <laughs> <laughs> oh see and oh, I, I, I wrote a we book were, about, uh, <laughs> oh and i wrote a book about ogb old dirty bastard oh man who took a limo to pick up his welfare check but check on their welfare <laughs> is how i meant to phrase that yes. thanks dave Yes, Thanks for yes, pointing that yes, out. Yes, yes, yes. Um, with that, man, we can um we can wrap. Um, stay safe, everyone. Stay diligent. Pay attention. Um, learn your history. Look up some of the names we we tossed out in this podcast. You know, if you're not familiar with Stokely Carmichael, Kwame Torre, change his name to you later. Um, look him up. You know, judge for yourself. Maybe Clinton was right, but I'm saying he's not. Yeah. He's dead wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'll join you on that one. All right, so this is a guest in the house. I believe that's that's about as much of a solution as we can reach to these issues in 54 yeah. minutes. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate your time. Um, I appreciate your ears to the listeners um, and to you, Mickey. You know what I mean? Um, and, hey, you and, too. And let's, sure. let's continue um, having these discussions they're not uncomfortable when we're having them i guess they may be uncomfortable for some people to hear but um yeah we got to keep having them and we got to get real and stop sharing videos uh, of black people yeah. being shot yeah yeah actual facts <laughs> actual facts Absolutely. all right see you next time a mother cried crooked cop collects another bounty i doubt we ever see a better day i go around my way and spend the same shit for decades and decades we need some type of government aid but they don't care because they the ones who created the state systematic destruction is bigger than the corner niggas hustling the young niggas thugging the organized numbers